Welcome to the Great Detectives Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. While we continue our listener support campaign, I encourage you to take a look at support.greatdetectives.net. Uh, as we uh, run this uh, campaign, we do this twice a year. Uh, throughout the year, we always welcome listener contributions, and anyone who sends a tip of $7 or more, we gladly send access to our premium site to. But during this uh, three-week promotional uh, period, we'll also send out uh, some uh, special bonuses, uh, including digital downloads of great uh, radio programs we can't bring you on the show. Uh, and these are available for folks who uh, donate uh, $20 or more. Those who provide a donation of $20 or more can receive, among the options available, any two episodes of the Twilight Zone radio series uh, from the uh, earlier part of the 21st century. Uh, we are going to be doing Poirot in three weeks, and at the $50 level, uh, we have available any one of the BBC Poirot uh, radio plays will send you as a digital download, and at the $100 level, we have a gift certificate of, for, to Radio Archives uh, that's good for uh, to get any of the various old-time radio sets they offer in very great high uh, uh, fidelity. Uh, other options are available, including the Tales of the Dim Night book for those of you who live in the U.S. and in Canada. Uh, so uh, go to support.greatdetectives.net to learn more. Let me uh, let me know what you would like when you make your donation. And please let me know uh, no later than uh, March 10th what you would like if you do give to, uh, in the course of this campaign. Uh, the deadline for uh, d- donations is March the 3rd. All right. Well, uh, now we begin a new series. Uh, this one aired over NBC and is called The Adventures of Christopher London. As I mentioned on a previous uh, show, it starred uh, Glenn Ford, who still not quite hit this point of stardom in his career. Uh, this was uh, a series. It was created by Earl Stanley Gardner. And there were at least three series like this, where a famous mystery writer created the show, uh, but didn't really write for it, uh, just basically made up a character, and on the strength of the author's reputation, the series went forward. Christopher London's adventures were based in San Francisco, at least those that were based. Uh, this is actually the only episode of the three we have in existence uh, that was set in San Francisco. The other two uh, occurred uh, on the road. So I guess we could say this is Christopher London's only home game we have. Well, this was the third episode of Christopher London. It premiered on January 22nd, 1950, the first uh, episode, title unknown. Uh, the second was The Adventure of the Chinese Scroll. And so, here from uh, 
February the 5th, 1950 is The Adventure of the Emerald Ring. The National Broadcasting Company presents Christopher London, created especially for radio by the most widely read mystery story writer in the world, Earl Stanley Gardner, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and starring Mr. Glenn Ford. I am Christopher London, private investigator and sometimes student of the teachings of the Orient. In the faraway monastery of the moon of yesterday in the hills of western China, I learned many things. I like to think that one of them was tolerance, but I find it hard to be tolerant of greed and murder. Yet any man who agrees to look for a beautiful missing heiress along the San Francisco waterfront is asking for trouble, and usually he gets it. In this case, it was me, and I got it. It started in the lavish Knob Hill home of Arthur J. Manners, attorney at law, where I had been invited on a professional basis. Fix up your drink, London? No, thanks. I asked you to come here because I didn't want to talk about this thing at the office. That's a nice place you have here. Awfully nice. Oh, it's too big. Too expensive. Now, first I'd better show you the young lady's picture. Hmm. To Arthur, my dear friend and guardian, Helen. Oh, she's a beautiful girl, Mr. Manners. Too beautiful. Too rich, too spoiled. From the time the parents died five years ago, Helen Falconer has been a constant worry to me. And now this. This time I'm really worried. Now, let's see. You said a week ago she arrived on the plane from Mexico. Yes, for her first visit in more than a year. She wired me when to expect her, and she was on the plane. I checked. I found somebody you remember seeing her get into a dark blue sedan. And that's all, and then she disappeared, vanished. And just when I have to produce her in court next week for an accounting of my guardianship. What about relatives, friends? No living relatives and no friends in San Francisco. She's never here for more than a few days at a time. Doesn't live anywhere for more than a couple of months at a time. The French Riviera, Rio, New York, Acapulco. Only time I know where she is is when she wires me for money. You've checked the hospitals, I suppose, in the morgue. Certainly. Why haven't you gone to the police? Afraid to. That's why you're here. Now, where did I put that, uh... Oh... Here, you better take this. Uh, driver's license. Yeah, she applied for it last time she was here. Age, height, hair, eyes, and so on. Thumbprint, signature. Might help. That might indeed. You'll know her by a ring she wears. She never takes it off. Antique emerald ring. Heavy gold setting. Stone engraved with a serpent and an arrow. Find that ring and you'll know who it is even if she has her head in a sack. Yes, come in. There's a Mr. Lawrence Scoville. Oh, tell him to go away. I'm busy. I said I'd call him if I heard anything. Yes, sir. Oh, Scoville. I should have told you about him, London. Claims he's engaged to Helen. Met her recently in New York. Well, maybe, maybe not. Says she wired him she was coming and to meet her here in San Francisco. Spends his days mooning around my office. I wish he'd go back to New York. He gets on my nerves. Well, maybe I'd better start by seeing him. No. That's just a waste of time. He doesn't know a thing. You interest me, Mr. Manners. Have you changed your mind about wanting me to locate this girl? Changed my mind? No. Why? Because you're stalling. I... Yes, I suppose I am. But it's because I'm worried. I don't know how much I should confide in anybody. In that case, we're both wasting our time. Goodbye, Mr. Manners. Now, wait. No, London, sit down. Please. All right. 
I have reason to believe that Helen has involved herself in some sort of a smuggling operation. For the thrill of it, nothing more. That may be that the headquarters of this gang is at a waterfront dive named El Toro or El Torero, something of the sort. Mind you, I don't say it's true, but it, it may be true. Now, you must have some reason for believing it. Well, I'm not at liberty to give my reasons. I, I merely warn you that searching for her may lead you into some danger. Well, in a way, Mr. Manor's danger is my business. I'll keep in touch with you. Now, and I'll say this. Nobody ever began a search for a missing girl with more clues. A waterfront dive named El Toro. El Torero or something of the sort. Now, it wasn't in the phone book, but I thought I knew how to find it. You take a stroll along the Embarcadero in the fog and you might find anything. Oh. I'm sorry. It's okay. I didn't hurt you, did I? No. This fog is pretty thick, isn't it? What's the matter? You lost? Yeah, in a way. I was looking for a place. Uh, uh, I forget the name. Stupid. Yeah. What you want there? Oh, a drink. I... Don't mind if I do. Well, fine. Let's go. Oh, yes, I remember it now. Oh, that's swell, honey. El Torero. El Toro. That's it. A joint. Strictly a dive. Oh, you know where it is? What do you want to go there for? I told you. Yeah. You said a drink. What is it really? A drink? Mm, maybe. You were going to buy a drink anyway. Oh, certainly. Okay, honey. Only no dame you're looking for is going to be at El Toro. I'm going to sit at a table. Uh, sure. How about right here? Huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get the chair. Yeah. Hey. Now that I see you in the light, you know you ain't a bad-looking guy. What's your name? Smith? Yeah, Smith. <laughs> I thought it was. I'm Babe. What'll it be, folks? Make mine a ginger bourbon. I think you can find an El Toro or its equivalent on any dockside in the world. The retreat of the happy companions in Hong Kong was another El Toro. And the sanctuary of the affectionate friends in Shanghai was another. El Toro. A small, dark place within the sound of the sea, where men speak in low voices to each other of their plans and schemes to catch fortune by the tail. In the small, dark place, there were seven or eight seafaring men, a couple of women sitting together, quietly, waiting, I think, for something that would never come. Well, there was a piano player, a bartender, and a waiter, and Babe and me. At another time, perhaps El Toro would have been raucous with the sounds of fighting and of laughter, but tonight... Well, tonight it was brooding in the fog, waiting. Hey, babe, I've been looking all over for you. You found me. Uh, Mr. Smith, this is Gus. Say hello to the man, Gus. Hello, hello. Hello, Gus. Who asked you to sit down? My feet hurt. Just make port, Gus? I'm Mary Maloney. Mm. Irish ship? Greek. Mm. How long you been gone, Gus? Oh, don't you remember? I should remember how long you've been gone. i never even seen you before. Babe, listen. Get lost. I'm busy. I went up to the room before I come looking for you. 
I brought a case of some kind of Greek stuff. Greeks don't drink. Oh, they don't, huh? What, uh, what else did you bring? We're still married, ain't we? Who says we ain't? Yeah. I brought some perfume and stuff. Well, come on, then, you overgrown droop. Is it okay if I take a poke at Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith's a friend of mine. Oh, but, babe, I just got... Okay. Just one, though. Stand up, Mr. Smith. You're in the wrong port. It'll be a pleasure. Hey, babe. Where's my upper plate? Here, Droop. Oh, that's lucky. Don't even crack. That's a nice left you got, Mr. Smith. No hard feelings. No, not at all. Then try my left. I don't suppose I was out more than a minute or so. But when I came to, Gus and Babe were gone. And three new customers had arrived. Two men and a girl. They sat at a table in a shadowed corner. Almost certainly the girl was the one I was looking for. Okay, mister? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, I'll clean this up. Oh, what hit me? Uh, first day's home from a voyage. Gus always does that. He don't mean no harm. What do you have? Say, those uh, three people over there, gentlemen. They just come in? Oh, yeah. While you wasn't paying no attention. Uh-huh. Here's a buck. I guess you must have dropped it. Thanks. You know them? Not me, mister. I don't know nothing. Uh, do they come here very often? Oh, mister, why don't you go home? We have enough trouble around here without strangers. It just ain't healthy for strangers here. Especially strangers with noses. Noses? Which they stick into other people's business. Oh. No. Why don't you go home? I recognized the girl from the photograph Manners had shown me. Although her hair was a different shade... She was heavily suntanned, and the clothes she wore left so little to the imagination that it was hard to concentrate on her face. But if I had needed further proof, I saw the flash of emerald green as she lifted her hand to her cheek. The men with her? One was Oriental, Manchurian probably. The other may have come from the Middle East. Now suddenly they seemed to come to some sort of agreement. They got up. The Manchurian spoke an inaudible word or two to the girl, and the two men left El Toro together. Well, it seemed obvious that they would soon return, so I took advantage of the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me, Helen Falconer? Uh, who? You're Helen Falconer? That's what I thought you said. I never heard of her. Have you got a minute? Sit down. Yeah, thanks. You don't want to change your mind. About what? About being Helen Falcon. I told you I never heard that name before. What's this all about? You know, it's funny. I got an idea that I was intended to meet you here. You were intended to meet me here? Yeah. Or, uh, Helen Falcon, huh? Oh, we're back to that again, huh? You know, I'm getting kind of tired of Helen... What's her name already? Did you really want to meet her? Yeah. You see, she was supposed to look exactly like you. Oh, you don't know her then? Well, a man showed me a picture. Arthur J. Manners, an attorney. And she looks like me? Exactly. Um, how do you like the way she looks? Oh, I like it. 
Have you got a name? Yeah. Christopher London. I'm... Well, what difference does it make? Call me Helen if you want to. Helen... What's her name? Cigarette? Helen? Thanks. That's a good-looking case. Gold? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. It's shiny as a mirror. Here, take it back before it sticks to me. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, here's the light. You know, I'm wondering about you. As a matter of fact, I'm wondering about me, too. What do you mean? Well, I'm I'm wondering if I could get up right now and walk out of here. And forget me. Yeah, Yeah, and forget you. You want to try? Not yet. (laughs) Say, that's a beautiful ring. Is it an emerald? Oh, it's just some kind of green stone. Mind if I look at it? That's carved serpent and arrow. I imagine that's pretty valuable. Aren't you kind of taking a chance wearing it around a place like this? I usually wear it turned around with a stone on the other side, like this. Why not simply leave it at home, then? Oh, no. I never take it off. Sort of good luck charm. Sort of. Has it brought you any? Good luck? Yeah. All the time, Christopher. All the time. Helen. Oh, yes, that's me, isn't it? Yeah. Does the name Scoville mean anything to you? Lawrence Scoville? You know more people that I never heard of. Helen, listen. I'm serious. Now, do you know who you are? Do you know where you are? Where were you a week ago tonight? Oh, two weeks ago. Well, a month ago. Don't you know? Of course I know. Well, then where? Why do you care? Well, answer me. No. Answer me, Helen. Can't you remember? (laughs) Now, where are you going? Don't come with me. Why? They'll be back soon and I have to go. Not without me. Waiter, how much? All right, here you are. Come on, Helen. Christopher, don't. Come on. Now, what are you afraid of? Christopher, can you see in this fog? Oh, not much. Neither can I. Hold on to me. Helen, it's important. Who are the men who are... Who are the men you are with? The men who are coming back. Hold me. No, don't you understand? You've got to answer my question. I don't know. I don't know. Hold me, Christopher. No, you mustn't ask me anything. It's not safe. If you're in danger... I'm in no danger. I know what I'm doing and I'm safe and protected. But don't ever try to find me again, Christina, because that's dangerous for you. Worse danger than... Now, you, what's the date? Why, the fifth, I... You know what city you're in? Oh, San Francisco. What's your name? What? Oh, Christopher London. I think he's okay, Inspector. He started coming two minutes ago. Yeah. Hello, London. Oh, Inspector Griffith. It's too bad you weren't here a while ago. What happened? Well, I'll tell you, I was standing along here somewhere with my arms around one of the most beautiful women I ever saw. Very funny. You didn't see her, Hitchin? No. Might have been a sailor from somewhere in the Middle East. Maybe a Manchurian. You kill me, London. What were you doing down here? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. But I seem to have been robbed. You're surprised? Yeah, I see. My wallet's gone. Letters. 
Cards, money. <laughs> oh, what do you know? I missed my cigarette case. Well, you can sign a report in the morning. How do you feel? Bad, bad, Inspector. Not good. Get in. We'll take you home. Want to stop the receiving hospital? Oh, that song will take care of me. Oh, yeah, that Chinese boy of yours. Is he a doctor, too? No, that song can do anything. And do it with quotations. <laughs> Say, Inspector, I'm going to ask you a favor. Yeah? All right, here's my cigarette case that those guys missed. It's got some fingerprints on it. Will you have them checked fast? Give it to me. And careful, careful of those prints. Sell your grandmother. You know, it takes a while. Even if I told you where to look in the file? Well, that might help. A driver's license. Issued to Helen Falconer, this city. What's the angle? Well, if there is an angle, you'll be the first to know. All right, you can let me out here. Okay. San Francisco Police, 11 p.m. San Francisco Police. Helen, F-A-L-C-O-N-E-R. Dan, I want that cigarette case back. You'll get it after I check. As I dragged myself up to my apartment, I hoped that our song would be waiting for me with tea and many ancient Chinese quotations. He was, but he was not alone. I had a visitor in a gray flannel suit and striped silk tie. Mr. Lennon, I'm Larry Scoville. I, I wanted to talk to you about Helen Falconer, but the way you look, I... Well, I mean, I... Well, I guess it'll have to wait until tomorrow. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> It's all right. My injuries aren't fatal. Now, sit down. I'll be with you in a minute. All right. Call me to London. I will make first aid. Yeah. Oh. This warm, damp cloth will soon erase the signs of violence yeah. as the soft snow hides the scars of the gardener's toil. Is it still bleeding? There is no more blood now. May this helpless one inquire what happened? Oh, hand me the towel. Oh, Thanks. I don't know our song, but I got an idea that this is not the first, nor the last blood that will be shed in this case. Here. Yeah. Has Mr. Scoville been waiting long? Not long. Yeah, looks a little better. All right, I'll see what he wants. Oh, bring us something to drink, will you? That's all there is to it, Mr. London. I was in Mr. Manor's office and happened to overhear something that made me think he'd ask you to search for Helen. If you can't tell me anything about where she is, or if you don't know, okay, I, I understand. But can you tell me this? Is she still alive? That's no good worrying, Scoville. Now, tell me again. You say somebody broke into your room at the hotel. Now, at what time? Oh, it must have been between 8 and 10.30 tonight. And nothing was taken? Nothing at all. You're sure about Certain. it? Certain. You've no idea what they were looking for? I can't imagine. All right. Uh, Scoville, have you known Helen a long time? Well... Only a few weeks, really, but it was long enough for us to fall in love. Then you don't know very much about her. I mean, who her friends are or what she does here and abroad. Well, I... No, I guess that's true, but... I'll, I'd... Get, I'll get it out, son. Why, Mr. Manners. Good evening, London. Well, come in. I, uh, I was in the neighborhood, and I thought I'd take a chance that you were still awake because I... Oh, Scoville. Hello. Well, you had an accident, London? Oh, more humiliating than painful. That's nothing. Oh, sit down, sit down. Oh, no time. I'm on my way home. I, I just stopped in to tell you... Uh, this concerns you, too, Scoville. To tell you that I've seen my ward and talked with him. Oh, you did? Is she all right? Quite all right. When, when can I see her? I'm afraid... Well, I'm afraid you can't see her. She, uh... 
Well, the fact is, she's fallen in love with somebody else, and she wants you to forgive and forget, I believe the expression goes. No. No, I don't believe it. She's very definite about it. Now, London, I'm glad to say that my suspicions were entirely unfounded. I'll send you a check in the morning, and if you'll return that driver's license, we can consider the matter closed. I'm sorry, Manners, I haven't got the license. I lost it. Oh. Well, that's not important, then. Good night. After Manners left, I got my hat and coat, in spite of Asang's protests. And then I had trouble with Scoville. You know something about Helen, don't you? You're going out to meet her now. Scoville, there's nothing I can tell I'm you. I'm going with you. I, I don't believe Manners. I don't believe she'd do that to Oh, me. it'll be all right, Scoville. We'll talk about it tomorrow. You go back to your hotel and I'll call you there in the morning. But London, I'll... Awesome. Mr. London, it is not for the trembling lamb to give counsel to the lion, yeah. but... Sure, sure, sure. You don't want me to go out, huh? In the night, the tender rice plants sleep. Yeah, yeah. And sleeping grow. Look, I know, I know. I'm taking the car, song. If anybody calls, you don't know when I'll be back. Poor Scoville standing on the street. I got my car out of the garage and headed for the waterfront. For a while, I thought another car was following me, but the fog made it impossible to be sure. I parked my car about two blocks from El Toro and started to walk up the Embarcadero. I thought I heard steps behind me, but, but when I halted, they halted too. Then when I started again... They started. I'd walked about a block when... Scoville. Back a block, I found a telephone at an all-night drugstore and was lucky enough to get Inspector Griffith at Homicide. Now, just a second. Did you find out anything about those fingerprints? Yeah, I'll bring the cigarette case with me. Well, did the prints match? Yeah, they matched. I thought they would. So what? So now you know whose uh, dame is named Helen Faulkner. Wait for us. I didn't wait for Griffith and the men from Homicide. I passed the crumpled figure that had been Lawrence Scoville, alone and shrouded in the fog. There was nothing I could do or say, so I didn't pause. He had been alive, and now he was dead, but uselessly, wantonly dead. In front of El Toro, there was a taxi waiting. The door was open. A girl came out, her face concealed by a veil. But I saw a flash of emerald green as she entered the cab. There was no need for me to follow her. I knew where she was going. I knew where she had to be going. And I was sure that with some fancy illegal driving, I could get there first. Parked my car in the shadows. A taxi pulled up not more than a minute later. I followed her up the gravel walk as quietly as I could and stood behind her as she knocked on the door. Yes? Arthur, what happened? I was... I'm right <gasps> behind you. Well, shall we go in? Uh, what is this? Did you come here together? Close the door, Manners. This is no time for jealous quarrels. Well, now, what is this, London? What do you want? I want to make amends. For the death of a young man who died because I unconsciously led him to his murderer. We were in Manor's elegant study, the three of us. 
A girl, still beautiful, but pale and tense. Arthur J. Manners, attorney at law, calm now, almost too self-assured. <laughs> and Christopher London, who probably looked as if he'd spent a night in a bowling alley as a stand-in for a ten-pin. Now, Manners was being pleasant. No, I'd never seen him quite so pleasant. Well, I'm glad that you and Helen could meet here. We met at El Toro. With the briefing you gave me, I couldn't have missed her. You arranged our meeting. You wrote the script and directed the play. But you didn't figure on this ending. Christopher, listen to me. What's your name, Helen? Uh, Arthur, what's he talking about? What do you mean, London? If you've got anything to say, say it. She's Helen Falconer, you know that. Christopher, I, I can explain about those awful men at El Toro. It, it was just a silly... Well, I don't know. I, I get into things like oh, that. Oh, you fools. Don't you see how transparent you've been? How clear as glass? Get out of here. Get out, Manor. Sit down. That's better. Now, let's talk. Helen Falconer was your ward. You managed her estate. She was out of the country most of the time, and your expenses were heavy. A house like this costs a lot to buy and to live in. And a girl like this runs into money, too. I think you've been taking Helen Falconer's money for a long time. At last she became suspicious and decided to fly up from Mexico for an accounting. Well, that's true, Christopher, but I was wrong. Oh, very wrong. Now, wait. Apparently you've got the absurd idea that this girl is not Helen Falconer. Well, would a fingerprint prove it to you? Not on a driver's license, nor a cigarette case. You know, it was a smart idea having your girlfriend apply for a license under the name of Helen Falconer... But it only proves the murder was well-planned and long premeditated. You, you, whatever your name is. Christopher, please. That's I... your ring on your finger? You wear it constantly? You never take it off? You both told me that. Then why isn't the skin underneath the ring white? Why is it as suntanned as the rest of your hand? Don't try it, Manners. Don't. Christopher. Christopher. Ah, no, don't worry. I think he'll live long enough to die as the state directs. I just did what he told me. I... I didn't know why. I, I... I... You... You believe me? Don't you, Christopher? Sure. Sure, I believe you. And I'll bet the jury will, too. I'll bet they won't give you more than ten years. Yes, Asan, you and your revered ancestors were... Well, it was so right. Oh! Yes, greed and duplicity go hand in hand with murder. Arthur Manners killed Helen Falconer on the day she arrived from Mexico. Her body, well, may never be found. But Manners will die because he shot Lawrence Scoville. Yeah, Scoville must have worried him. Oh, yes, the murderers must worry him. He went through Scoville's hotel room because he was afraid the boy might have a picture of the true Helen Falconer. Then he had to kill him because he followed me. If Scoville had seen the girl I thought was Helen, well, the whole thing would have fallen apart. And the young lady? Oh, the misguided girlfriend of an attorney at law. <laughs> oh, with time off for good behavior, she will still be as beautiful when she gets out. Well, why were you called in at all? I was the patsy. The question were ever to come up, I would have been called on to swear that I had found and identified the missing Helen Falconer and returned her to her worried guardian. That way, Manners would have gone right on receiving the money from the dead Helen Falconer's estate. Only... Only what? On, only Manners forgot that the phony Helen Falconer's license had been issued less than six months ago. And Manners forgot that he'd told me that the real Helen Falconer had not been backed in the States for more than a year. <laughs> well, our son, we wouldn't have made that mistake. 
No, would we? Oh, no, Mr. Lawson. <laughs> this humble one can manufacture his own official document when necessary. Yeah, you know, sometimes our song, I think, is a pity that we didn't choose a life of crime. Oh, no, Mr. London. It's very appealing, but unrewarding. Remember it is said, if a man walk even tippy-toe on road of wrongdoing, his reward surely waits him at road's end. The hangman's noose. Uh, how true. But you meet such attractive gals along the way. That was Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford and created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery story writer, Earl Stanley Gardner. Christopher London is produced and directed by William N. Robeson and was tonight written by Mindred Lord with music composed and conducted by Lynn Murray. Mr. Ford's supporting company included Joan Banks as the phony Helen Faulkner, Ben Wright as Arthur Manners, Charlie Lung as our song, Florence Hallop, Ted DeCorsia, Peter Leeds, Will Wright, and Stacey Harris. Be with us again next week when Christopher London returns. What's on NBC today? One hour from now, you'll hear Charles Boyer and Dorothy McGuire in the Theater Guild on the air. And then the American album of familiar music later today. Now, stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye, then Sam Spade on NBC. Welcome back. Well, this was a, this was a good case. Some uh, pretty solid excitement. Uh, probably needs a little, you know, uh, if, if anything may have been, um, a little, um, uh, overwrought at times. Uh, you know, I think that there is certainly a type of radio performance like Gerald Morris, Philip Marlowe, or Larry Thor's Danny Clover. And you have, uh, these characters who are very righteous, moral people who are angry about the work of evil. In this one, I think Ford may have overdid it just a tad, but he does get better as the performances go on. Of course, uh, Glenn Ford was, as we mentioned before, was best known for his Western roles. And I wanted to, for those of you who have the app and premium site, to do a Glenn Ford extra with a Western theme. I couldn't find where, say, Lux Radio Theater had adapted any of the Westerns he'd been in. However, I did find an episode of Cavalcade of America from January 27, 1953, called The Nugget and the Law. And that will be uh, your app extra for today is The Nugget and the Law. Same thing if you have the premium site, which we uh, provide with any tip of $7 or more. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we begin with a voicemail. Let's go ahead and we'll take a listen. Hey, Adam, my name's Jeff. I'm calling you from Richmond, Virginia. I was just calling to say I just started listening to your programs about two weeks ago. Love them. I appreciate it all. Keep up the good work, and I'll keep listening. Thank you, Adam. Have a great day. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for listening to us out there in Richmond. Other comments? We go to uh, Kimber, who writes an iTunes review. Uh, yes, it's old-time radio, and there are a lot of podcasts that do that, but Adam Graham adds so much to the podcast. Uh, because he does a brief, no-spoiler introduction to each episode. It's great for those of us who weren't around when radio was big. Adam plays the episodes chronologically through the duration of each series, rotating so that there are five different programs going each week, i.e. Sherlock on Monday, Box 13 on Tuesday. Uh, so even if I don't like all the shows, I only have to skip that day. I think this is the best uh, crime-slash-detective podcast around. 
Well, thanks so much, Kimber. Appreciate that. And then uh, we have this from over on Podcast Alley. Uh, I was going to comment on the Old Time Dragnet podcast, but I realized that I am so far behind uh, the times there that the comment I was going to make was no longer relevant. I was going to suggest that you do the Jeff Regan shows here on this podcast. I listen to this podcast every single day and look forward to it. Thank you for all you do. Uh, well, thanks so much. We did actually do Jeff Regan. Uh, that was actually the third series we did on Tuesday. The first two uh, were Pat Novak for Hire and then Johnny Madero. Uh, so uh, if, if you have iTunes, you just do a search there for uh, Jeff Regan, and uh, that one should come up as a top uh, podcast. Um, and uh, we received... Uh, this email from Spencer, who says, Thank you so much for all the time you spend on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've been listening to your Great Detectors podcast via iTunes for a year or so, but had never subscribed. I just went on every so often and downloaded some more so I could work from the oldest episodes to the newest. I recently listened to 290 and went to iTunes to download a few more, for example, 291, and all of a sudden it appears that the oldest one available on iTunes is 407. Do you have any idea how I can get 291 to 406 via iTunes? Uh, well, thanks a lot, Spencer. Um, I, I, the, I can... The, the easiest thing to do uh, is to go and download uh, the episodes through the uh, archives. Because of some issues with our feed, we can only keep 200 episodes uh, live at a time, uh, including video theater ones. So you would need to go and download the Thin Man feed, the Abbott's feed, uh, Neural Wolf, and... Uh, and Rogue's Gallery, and I think that would have you about caught up. And I am having trouble getting show uh, feeds established for other uh, series, such as Barry Craig. I've tried submitting several times with no luck on that, so I may need to come up with something uh, new on that. So that is my best answer for iTunes. Just go to the show feed, and uh, you'll be able to download it that way. All right, well, that will do it for today. We will be back uh, tomorrow with Let George Do It. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectors.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectors. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your support host, Adam Graham, signing off.